podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Julie Rayburn, the author of Peace in the Storms of Life, Devotional Encouragement for Women. Have you ever felt as though the waves of life are crashing over you? I have. In those deep valleys of desperation, my soul has cried out to the deep things of God. He has met me there and spoken truth to bring peace to my heart. It seems that my ears are more attuned to hear God when I am in the storms of life. In those deep places, He reveals spiritual truth. Walking through trials and hardships is extremely difficult, yet the storms in my life have proven to be pivotal times of spiritual growth as I have clung to the Lord for peace and strength. My desire is to pass on what the Lord has taught me in hopes that you also might be encouraged by God's Word. These devotionals and questions reflect God's challenges to my own heart. Unfortunately, some of my storms have been of my own making. As you meditate on Scripture and reflect upon the questions after each devotional, I hope you will journal your thoughts and personal reflections go through this journal alone or with a group. Take your time as you cry out to Him from the depths of your soul. God will be faithful to meet you in those deep waters. Julie Rayburn is a Christian author and speaker. Her passion is to encourage and inspire the application of biblical truth. Her last book, Be Still and Know, 365 Days of Hope and Encouragement for Women, was inspired by a journal that her mother kept the last year of her life. Peace in the Storms of Life was birthed from Julie's own life experiences. Jesus was the calm in the center of her storms. As she called to him from the depths of her soul, he answered. These devotionals are the spiritual insights she gleaned as she clung to biblical truth and listened to the Lord. She hopes that her readers will experience the peace that passes all understanding as they meditate on God's Word in the storms of life. Julie has served as Teaching Director and Area Director for Community Bible Study, CBS. Currently, she and her husband, Scott, are serving as CBS Ambassadors to Nepal. She is also on the CBS Board of Trustees. Julie is a retired surgical orthopedic nurse. She enjoys tennis, golf, and gardening. Scott and Julie have two grown children and four grandchildren. They reside in the Atlanta area. To learn more about Julie, please visit her website, 
julierayburn.com. Here is the interview with Julie Rayburn. In your own words, who is Julie Rayburn? I would say that uh, Julie Rayburn is a child of God. I'm a wife and a mother and a grandmother. And um, yeah, I guess now I'm an author. I was a nurse. I'm retired. But uh, just uh, a lot of different interests. Mm, Wonderful. Thank you. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Peace and the Storms of Life, Devotional Encouragement for Women, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first one is, what is your understanding and idea of peace? I would say that peace, true peace that, that I've experienced, is not related to our circumstances necessarily, because I think I have, the Lord has given me peace in very difficult times. So I would say that peace is something that the Lord can give you even when you're going through storms of life or difficult trials in life. It's just an abiding assurance of his presence and that uh, that the Lord is with you. Would you call this kind of experience of peace also inner peace? Definitely. Yes. Yes. So I have a few more questions here, my warm-up questions about life itself. And the first one is an open question. What is life to you, Julie? I, I think life is a gift from God for each one of us. Personally, myself, I, my mother, when she was, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I think I've always appreciated um, life because I was supposed to be terminated, actually. Um, my mother had the German measles when she was six weeks pregnant with me. And the doctor wanted her to terminate the pregnancy because of the congenital abnormalities that could result from that. So I just have always had an appreciation for the life that we each have been given. And it's a blessing from God. It's so true. I'm wondering why so many of us don't appreciate the miracle that life is. Yes, I I don't know. I, I, I mean, each life is precious. And I think because I recognized that at a, you know, a younger age, I just embraced what the Lord had given me because, you know, I think, gosh, I, I shouldn't be here. You know, I'm just so <laughs> grateful to be alive. Uh, but each one of us should really uh, embrace uh, the life that we've been given and realize it is a gift and a blessing. That would change everything, right? For all of us had this state of being, state of heart. What do you think is the opposite of life? Well, I would say the opposite of life is death. If you're not alive, then you're dead. Do you also believe that there is no death of the spirit, of the soul? Well, I, I do believe that uh, we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, and so that our spirits continue to live after our physical bodies are gone, yes. So you believe in life after death? Yes, I do. Is that a belief or a knowing? I I would say both because I believe that the Bible that we've been given is God's word. And so I believe that truth is found in God's word. And that's one of the ways God speaks to us. And so 
uh, as I read and study God's word and uh, the revealed truth that he has given us through the Bible, then yes, there is eternal life. And that life is is given to us through Jesus Christ that died and, and rose again so that we can also be uh, raised after our bodies, our physical bodies are no longer here. Do you consider yourself to be religious or spiritual? You know, that's, um, that's an answer. That's a great question because I think people say religious, you can be religious over a lot of things, but I feel like Christianity is not just a religion, it's a relationship. True Christianity is a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And so it's the one religion where God reached down to us uh, rather than us, man, trying to reach up to God and appease him or, or do works to win his favor and so forth. So in that respect, I would say it's a relationship rather than a religion. God is reaching to us, communicating with us, and trying to manifest here. That very much resonates, yeah, true to my heart. I have two more questions about life. Do you believe that all of us um, have a unique purpose in this life, in this world? Definitely. I think uh, each of us are, we were created in the image of God, and I think uh, the Lord has given us each talents and gifts and unique characteristics and personalities. And I think there are there's purpose in life for each each human being that is living. Yes. What do you think is your unique gift to this world or your purpose? Well, I I have a passion to communicate with others what the Lord is teaching me. And so I love passing on uh, what God's shown me. And so I think in my writing that uh, basically it's like the Lord's teaching me and I just pass it on to to other people. And I like to just inspire others to apply his word daily to their lives because in my own life, it's made such a difference. And so I just would want to encourage other people to experience what I've experienced. Yeah, that's wonderful that you're trying to pass that on to others so that we can live peaceful lives. I love the word that you use in your book, peace. Yeah, challenging to find peace out there. And that has to do with my next question. You mentioned that we all have a purpose, this unique gift given by God. Life is a gift. Do we also have a choice not to accept the gift? I think we are given free will. And so with that comes responsibility. And also we can choose not to use the gifts that we've been given or to go another way. Do you know what I'm saying? So um, yes, we do have that freedom to either embrace the gifts and use them for God's glory or, or live our lives according to our own plan and go our own way, so to speak. So um, yes. And I'm wondering why so many of us would make that choice of not using the gifts we have and having purpose. Do you think it's just because we don't know about that choice that we have? Well, I'm just speaking for myself. I think a lot of times I I think I know better. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if I were really honest yeah. with myself, it's like, no, I kind of want to go my way. Um, when I first, okay, for example, uh, when I was 15 years old is when I first accepted 
Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And in my 15-year-old mind, I thought, okay, great. Now the Lord's going to want me to be a uh, missionary in Africa. You know, like, <laughs> like God's going to then uh, have me do something that I wouldn't want to do or what have you. That was my you know, juvenile mindset, but I didn't know God that well back then. And so I just kind of thought, gosh, what if I, he, he wants me to do something that, that I don't want to do type thing. But, um, you know, as I've grown closer to him, I realize he's the one that made us. So he knows what is going to fulfill us. And he wants to lead us along a path that is the good path for our lives, not something that, and I'm not saying Every you know the path he leads along doesn't have trials or or hardships along there. You know it's not just a rose colored path, a rose uh, path full of roses. But um, but anyway, his purposes are good for us, and uh, he wants the best for us. And he created us, so obviously he knows you have. It, it comes by faith, believing that his way is is uh, the way that we should take. But we, I think we all struggle with that. I mean, even. Though I know that intellectually, I still, on a day-to-day basis, have to make that that choice, uh, whether I'm going to go Julie's way or maybe a way that I feel like the Lord is leading me. I believe that too, Julie. That's beautifully said. Yeah, I hear a lot of wisdom. And I love the way you say that it's a relationship. So it's like you say in your book, listening to that voice within and practicing. So that is Fascinating to me. I see a lot of people, they say that way, him. So would you change the pronoun? Did you try, or this is something that you're comfortable with, saying, calling God as him, as the masculine, and not the feminine, or no gender at all, just a divine being? Well, I guess um, my connotation is when I read the Bible, you know, like the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, and you know, it's referred to as our heavenly father. So I have just always <laughs> believed he was my heavenly father, but, you know, God, the father is a, is spiritual. So like I say, I do think of him as my heavenly father, just because the Bible refers to him that way. And so, yes. I have another question about life. And that is, what do you think is the main purpose of life? I think for myself, like I say, uh, I can only speak from from my own heart. Um, For me, it's um, to know the Lord, my creator God, and to live for him and to bring glory to his name. For me, that's the purpose and how that plays out. Golly, there's infinite ways for each one of us that how that is played out in our lives. So he, he leads us in ways that we can know him more and grow in our relationship with him and then be used by him to impact our world, to be salt and light in a, in a dark world that needs hope and peace and encouragement and so forth. Yeah, yeah, so true. I love this idea in whatever way we believe in that we are trying to manifest the spirit in the world and bring light, as you call it, hope, encouragement, peace, yeah, all these great qualities and wonderful ways of living. I have a question for you about God. Where is God? Where is God? I, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Uh, he was 
is the creator of the world and he is in the world and he is omnipresent and omniscient and uh, all-knowing. What does it mean to be free? What is freedom to you? I think many times we think of freedom as being able to do what we want to do. But I think for me, true freedom is being able to follow the Lord wherever he takes us, whether that's into the you know, uh, out of our comfort zone or just uh, walking with the knowledge of, of him and the truth of his word, I think there's a lot of freedom in that because we're not bound by rules. You know, I'm not saying obviously the Ten Commandments or what have you, but our relationship with Christ is based on grace and faith rather than keeping a set of rules. Um, and so I think there's a lot of freedom in that. I think the relationship, once you have that close relationship with the divine, what you call God, it's just so easy then to make better choices. And we don't need to follow rules because now we don't even need to know them. We follow them because the heart. Let me ask you a question about the current situation. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? Well, there's so much going on in our world right now, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the greatest need is unconditional love, agape love from the Lord, and then love for one another that demonstrates God's love. I think that's the greatest human need. I have two questions for you. One, what is love to you? Or what are the ways that we manifest love in this world? Well, to me, love, it says in, in the Bible that God demonstrated his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So to me, love is sacrificial. Like the, you know, God showed his love for us when we weren't able to reach up to God. He sent his son who died and paid the penalty for our sin. That is, that is amazing love. That is, you know, God's love for us. So that's the ultimate love, from, in my, my opinion. Yeah, and that sounds very much like what you said earlier, unconditional love, right? Do you believe in unconditional self-love? Well, maybe I, I, I think, too, if, for example, if my identity is in Christ, then I know that I've been accepted and loved for who I am. And so then, you know, my identity is found in him. I don't have to be striving to be something that I'm not because I'm loved regardless. It's, it's unconditional. You know, it's not the Lord doesn't love me because of what I do or don't do or what have you. He couldn't love me any more or any less than he always does. So to me, if, if that's... Um, part of that question, then then I would describe it that way. Yes. So unconditional self-love would be uh, connected to uh, spiritual love or spiritual unconditional love, right? Or the unconditional love of God in the, in the way you say it. Yeah. I think we just use words, different words, but it's the same thing. I love it the way you said it. That's true. You don't have an identity of uh, a human being. You're not confined or restricted by that those rules because you know what freedom is. That sounds wonderful to me. It's still a practice though. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah. So let's talk about your work. How did you become a writer, Julie? Oh, that is a very interesting question because I was a nurse. I was a surgical nurse by, you know, profession. And so what happened was that my writing career kind of started about 25 years ago. We lived in Naples, Florida, and I was sitting at my kitchen table going through the mail. And there was a piece of uh, a mailer that came across a flyer from an organization uh, called Missionary Ventures. And they were wanting to put together a surgical team to go to Guyana, South America and do surgeries for a couple of weeks down there. And I cannot describe it other than to say it was as if the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want you to go. And so I, it was clear as day. I mean, it wasn't an audible voice or anything. I uh, responded and long story short, I went to South America. The surgeon was from uh, Gainesville, Florida. I was living in Naples. The anesthetist was from Newport Ritchie. We met for the first time at the Miami International Airport. We flew to Guyana, South America, did surgeries for two weeks as if we had worked together for 10 years. It was it was an incredible experience. And the conditions there were so archaic, meaning they were even even having to wash out the surgical gloves and reuse them. So it, it was just, we had to, every minute, depend upon the Lord. What do we do here? What do we do there? We just had to listen for the Lord's direction every step of the way. And when I came back to Naples, I had this yearning to hear the Lord speak to me as clearly in my own surrounding, familiar surroundings, as I had when I was in Guyana. And so that started the process of journaling. And whenever I would hear the Lord speak to me clearly, um, either through scripture or the Holy Spirit or other somebody else or through nature, I would put a little asterisk in my journal. And this went on for years and years. And finally, the Lord, again, just impressed my heart. Years later, I was living in Atlanta at the time and said, I want you to take those asterisks and write a book. And I'm like, I have no idea. I mean, I I didn't even like to read as a child. I mean, I'm like, this is a joke, you know? It's like, when I'm talking about, you know, following the Lord in places that Like, this was not my idea. I didn't come up with it. And I was like, it wouldn't let me go, though. It just kept, um, the Lord kept impressing upon me. And so finally, I was like, okay, you're going to have to show me every step of the way because I have no idea what I'm doing. And (laughs) so um, I put together like 50 one-page devotionals, and I put those out to different Christian publishers. And I, I basically was kind of like, then washing my hands, like, okay, I was obedient. You know, I did what you asked me to do. And so I'm released, so to speak. I wasn't trying to make it happen. So I heard back from Barber Publishing and they said, you know, thank you so much for your your devotionals, but we're working on our own devotional project, but we're looking for devotional writers. Would you be willing to submit? So I felt like the Lord had opened that door. So I'm trying to boil down this long story, but I started uh, submitting work for hire and writing devotionals for six different uh, devotional books. Maybe this was like 10 or 15 years ago. Um, And so that's how I got 
my start in in the writing um, before the first book that was published that was all my work, uh, Be Still and Know, and then the second one came out, Peace in the Storms of Life. But it's been an amazing journey that I can only say God himself opened the doors um, and, and gave me the opportunity because it just, uh, I don't have an agent and the Lord just impressed my heart and I followed him and, and this is where I am. So it's just uh, amazing to me. So my next question is about the book that we are discussing today. I have some questions here for you. So what was the intention of writing this book, Peace in the Storms of Life? Well, it had been about, let's see, my Be Still and No came out in 2014. And I continue to journal and I continue to write, put those little asterisks. The Lord continues to speak to me. So I had all these journal entries and bits of paper where I felt like the Lord just gave me his insights and wisdom and what have you that he wanted me to apply to life. And it had been six years since my last book came out. And I knew that a lot of my readers had already read the Be Still and Know, and they were desiring more of the same. And two, two events kind of were the catalyst for this last Peace in the Storms of Life book. One, I read a friend of mine's aunt's biography about being a missionary in Papua New Guinea. Uh, they were missionaries there for over 20 years, and they had two children. They raised them in the jungles, and it was just very inspiring to me. That coupled with a friend, another friend of mine, her, I had given her years ago a copy of Be Still and Know, and uh, she had had a medical condition where she was bedridden for, I want to say, maybe three or four months. She was visiting my friend in town, and her, my friend said, so, Anne, what would you like to do today? And she said, if I could meet your friend, Julie... Um, and just tell her how much her book got me through being bedridden for so long. So I met with Anne, and we both just had tears in our eyes, just realizing that God used my <laughs> what he had given me to really uh, minister to somebody else. And so those two things kind of got me to realize I've got to get back on the computer and and share what God has given me through some, through, through some deep valleys myself, um, through some storms of life. You know, it, uh, C.S. Lewis once said, and I'm paraphrasing it, but that God whispers in our pleasures and shouts in our pain. I don't know. Uh, to me, I find that very true. When I'm going through painful valleys, to me, the Lord's speaking a lot clearer. Maybe it's just because I'm clinging to him, wanting to hear, you know, <laughs> and I'm desperate in those times. But so that's how that book came about and why it came about um, through, through that. Yeah, how wonderful. I love that too. What is like to be called to step out of our comfort zone? And that's one question. And then what are the challenges in accepting that call? Well, to me, the comfort zone is things that your comfort, my comfort zone is things that I'm familiar with. You know, my surroundings, the people I'm with. I just kind of know how things work because I, I've been in that 
circle of friends or environment and so forth. Um, and I'm very, I've gotten very comfortable with that. So I would say when the Lord calls you out of your comfort zone, it is to me to take a step of faith into the unknown where perhaps you haven't been, like when I went to Guyana or when I wrote the book or, you know, speaking at on a podcast or things that I have not done, it can be fearful. And so you have to trust the Lord that he's He's there with you. And, and if he's called you, he will equip you and provide for you in those moments. Yeah. So I love these words. And I'm wondering if they're all the same, if they have the same meaning to you. Faith, trust, and hope. You asked some great questions, Valeria. <laughs> really, you are a deep thinker. Um, faith, I think, is, is a belief in something that maybe you can't see. Obviously, you have and, and trust is goes hand in hand with that. And then I, I think of hope as more of a like a future thing that you just you know that the future is going to be that you'll be taken care of in the future. I think hoping for something that you can't see and it's not tangible. Yeah, at this moment, right? But they all do. They all do. Uh, blend with one another. That's true. Then my next question is about listening. So I wanted to get deeper into that idea or concept or state of being, living, listening to the voice of God, as you call it. How do we know for sure when we are listening to the voice of God and not the voice of our own uh, egotistic mind or, you know, having our own plans and human plans? For me, I think God's word is his voice. I mean, I sometimes when I speak to different groups or what have you, you know, you might have heard somebody say, if God would just audibly speak out loud or write write something in the sky. And and so one of my jokes kind of like, if you need to hear God speak out loud, read the Bible audibly, you know, out loud to yourself. You know, that's God's word speaking uh, to us. And so for myself, when I have a thought in my mind or what have you, I compare it to what God's word says. And so that is the plumb line by which I measure, okay, is this from me or, you know, is this from the Holy Spirit, the Lord speaking to me? It's consistent with what his word says then I can be assured it's of the Lord, it's of God. Uh, and if it's not, then then I have to dismiss it as, as it's not, you know, from him. That's why I think for me, Bible study is so important because it's like bank tellers I've heard um, don't, they don't study counterfeit money uh, in order to spot a counterfeit. They study real money, they handle real money. And so when a counterfeit comes across their, their desk, they can spot it. And so for me, my challenge is to be so familiar with God's word that when a thought comes in my mind or what have you that's inconsistent, I will be able to readily spot it because sometimes it's, it's almost close enough. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where, where I can get um, pulled a different direction. That's great that you have most people who follow the Bible's teachings. They have that as a reference. For some of us, we don't. In my case, I have 
I would say the voice of kindness and unconditional love, that's when I know. When there's no judgment, I'm not judging myself or others and condemning anything or anyone, but embracing everything as it is and acting in kindness. That's when I know <laughs> that I'm in the right path, on the right direction. Mm-hmm. Well, God is love. The Bible says that. So I would say that God is love and unconditional love is from him. We can't really conjure that up ourselves, or at least I can't. I I just, in the seventh chapter of Romans, Paul, the apostle Paul talks about, and I can relate totally with this. He'll say, he says, the things I want to do, like the good things I want to do, I can't carry them out. And the things I don't want to do, that's the very thing I do. You know, like what a wretched, it's like, I can't in my own strength do I'm not perfect. None of us are, but I just, sometimes I try to do the right thing and I end up doing the wrong thing. And I think in myself, I cannot carry out that unconditional love that I want to, want to be about all the time. You speak of beginning this journey of listening or learning to listen to the voice of God and also the distractions. So talk to me, what are some of the main distractions to listening to that voice? I think in our in probably every age had different distractions. I think today, right? I mean, we look and we think, oh, we're so more, we're much more distracted than our parents or our grandparents or what have you. But I'm sure they had things that distracted them also as well. But you know, today just technology and media and just the busyness of life. I think we can just put ourselves in a distractible state and allow ourselves to keep on that treadmill so that perhaps we don't, maybe we, I mean, this is the journey that I've been on. Do I really want to hear his voice? You know, I think a lot of times I'll use that excuse like, oh, I can't hear the Lord, but I'm just, I stay busy so that I maybe can't, right? Um, Subconsciously, I don't really think about that, but as I've kind of explored what I'm distracted about and and why I don't hear him as much as perhaps he's speaking, I have to come to grips with, do I really want to hear? You know, and if so, we need to take that time to be quiet and be still before him. Yes. Do you meditate or pray every day? I do. I try to. I, I wouldn't say I'm 100% faithful in that area, but I, I do enjoy starting my mornings out. I have a chair, like a chase lounge or a recliner in my bedroom that looks out over our backyard. And I just love sitting there and uh, reading my Bible and praying. And just also, I'm trying to listen more rather than, you know, speaking more to the <laughs> Lord. Uh, yes. <laughs> And, and just have him speak to me. And um, it's a great way to start my day because then the things that come that interrupt my day or what have you, I just have a better mindset for handling what life is going to throw at me that day. And we never know what it's going to be, right? True. We just, yes. We never know. So true. Never know. Mm-hmm. And I love this idea of silence. Yeah. Nature and silence in my case. I have a question for you. Can you tell or can you feel when someone is listening to the voice of God when you are in the presence of that person? I think if they speak, 
wisdom from the Lord, again, if it's biblically based, then you, your spirit kind of like resonates with, yes, this is truth. This is God's truth. So, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not the judge of, of that, so to speak. I mean, I, I don't think I want to be judging people in that respect. Yeah, I don't believe in judgment. Oh, God, no. Yes, <laughs> but it's yes. uh, in a sense of almost as of navigating this world in people around us, like you mentioned, distractions. So it's very important to know those who are not listening to the voice of God or divine force so we can become less distracted by them. You said something interesting in your book. You say divinely inspired dreams may not be as common in the United States as in third world countries. I'm wondering why you said that. Well, I, again, I write from my own experiences. So we, my husband and I go to Nepal every year for community Bible study. We're called uh, community Bible study ambassadors to Nepal. And we've gone five times uh, for the past five years. And the stories that we hear from the Christians in Nepal, the Lord speaks to them powerfully through dreams. I mean, I, I can just tell you testimony after testimony of how the Lord came to them in dreams. And, you know, for myself, I certainly, my dreams are kind of bizarre. <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, that is certainly not the Lord speaking to me in my dreams. So, I put certainly, I mean, I'm not saying that people hear that the Lord can do whatever he wants. Okay. And so he certainly can speak to people in the United States through dreams. I, I didn't mean to discount that, but I think I was just uh, very um, blown away with the, the amount of times I've heard people in Nepal describe that that's how the Lord spoke mightily to them was through their dreams. So that's why I wrote that in that particular um, devotional. Yeah, so it depends. I guess it happens in Brazil too, where I come from. Third world countries, they suffer more in the sense they have more uh, pain on a daily basis. So that opens the door to, uh, to invite divine force in God. And that might be that. So they are not even conscious about asking, but then... God will communicate with them in the dreams or any other form. That kind of makes sense to me. It was my case for sure. <laughs> um, what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? In my life? As a human being. Yeah, as a human being. Okay, this is like true confession. So <laughs> um, I'm pretty strong-willed and pretty, I wouldn't say, maybe sure of myself or whatever, but just realizing that I could be wrong, right? <laughs> you know, that, I, that the Lord knows best. And so that I need to submit my control of my life to him instead of taking control of my life for myself or trying to control other people's lives in, in, in different ways and what have you. So to me, I think being a strong-willed person, that has been the, the greatest challenge I'm sure that the Lord has had with me is um, getting through to me and, and having me be humble and realize that I need him and uh, 
that I don't know as much as perhaps that, that I thought I did, especially when I was younger. You know, we're all experts when we're younger. The older we get, we realize we we don't quite know as much as we thought we did. Um, and so so I'm, I'm still learning and uh, growing in that area, hopefully. Yeah. And so we all, I would say, all of us. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I can't think of anything right now. Maybe, gosh, it's it's hard to imagine. Like if you were, you know, face to face with that reality, I'm sure the Lord would bring to mind things that I would would need to make right or what have you immediately. But to say I would just continue to live every moment to its fullest. And hopefully I'm doing that now. You know, none of us know when our lives are going to end. And so we need to embrace each day. And as I said at the beginning, look at life as a gift from the Lord and uh, just enjoy each day that he has given us. I love what you said about that trust again. So you trust that God will show you what to do before that happens, not necessarily telling us when we're going to die, but how to live, which is more important in my opinion. (laughs) So my last question to you, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know that God loves me and he is with me and that the world is always changing, but he is constant and he's my anchor and my rock. And on him, I can build my life and it's a firm foundation. And so the, the things of this world are like shifting sand, but I don't have to be shaken uh, when I place my trust in him. Really beautiful. I love your faith. I love the trust yeah, in divine force. There's nothing more beautiful than that. Thank you for your wisdom and your presence, Julie. You are so welcome. This has been a pleasure. <laughs> and I have one more last question, a technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay, I do have a website. It's just julierayburn.com. And my books are on there. I don't sell them on the website, but there's links and so forth to uh, my books that are out. And also each month I post a blog on the, the website too that uh, that readers can go to or anybody that's interested um, and read my latest post. I think I have a couple of videos on there also that I have uh, downloaded. So that's essentially uh, the best place to find me. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you, Julie. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Julie Rayburn, please visit her website, julierayburn.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.